Hey everyone, welcome back to Every Version Ever. My name is Jonathan North, and today I'm bringing you one of my favorite reviews from the first year of my YouTube channel. Over the years covering versions of Alice in Wonderland on my YouTube channel, I found a huge variety of strange versions of the story, but one of the weirdest, most interesting, and completely out there versions of Alice in Wonderland I've discovered was a 1988 Czechoslovakian version called Neko Z Alenki. If I'm pronouncing that right, I'm probably not. Hopefully the people of the Czech Republic can forgive me. Anyway, this version featured stop-motion animation and was filled with fascinatingly macabre imagery, including living animal skeletons, semi-creepily animated inanimate objects, and even featured a taxidermied white rabbit whose body was in a constant state of disrepair, leaking sawdust at every turn. This version could possibly be borderline disturbing to some people, depending on their level of tolerance for weird things. However, despite how strange it was, I actually kind of loved it, and shockingly, Sarah actually liked it too. This is not something I ever expected from her. I had originally planned to just watch it on my own and do a short review, because when I watched it myself, I figured it was way too weird for Sarah. But then I started telling her about it, and she was kind of curious, and she said she wanted to watch a little bit, and we ended up watching the entire thing. And then, of course, we had to review it together, and during the review we talked so long that I ended up splitting it into three videos. Needless to say, we have more than enough material from that discussion, so I knew it would make for a great episode of this podcast. Now before we get into this, I should address the sound quality of this episode. Normally when someone has to say this before they start the show, it's because they had some kind of equipment failure which took out a primary microphone. Well, we did have some equipment failure that day, but we fixed it pretty easily. No, I'm actually addressing the sound because we filmed this outside in the height of summer, and while the sound is perfectly fine, the cicadas are very noticeable at times. And depending on how many of these older videos I go back to while I'm getting this podcast off the ground, there might be a few more like this in the future. We made these videos during the first year of my channel, and we weren't originally intending them as podcasts, so we didn't really think too much about it. We were just trying to find a place to get away from other people. And filming outside seemed like a good choice at the time. I guess you live and you learn. <laughs> anyway, without further ado, let's get on with this episode of Every Version Ever. This was probably the weirdest version I've ever seen, and it was so weird that I was just planning on doing it myself because I didn't think Sarah would want to watch it. Um, and then I ended up taking four pages of notes because I wanted to make sure I got everything in. But then Sarah decided she wanted to see it after all. So... Kind of decided and then did it anyway. Like, yeah. is this a bad decision? Okay, let's do it. <laughs> So she watched it with me the other night, and now we're going to break down the weirdness for you. <laughs> I wouldn't say that this is a disturbing version, because I'm sure there are disturbing versions. I would say this is more unsettling, perhaps, at times. I would say, from the get-go, this is not a version for children. Even at don't, the beginning, it says that it's for children, perhaps. Don't let your adult brain fool you into thinking that the child you are babysitting or whoever 
the child that wanders into the room can handle this version because with their creative, innocent brains, if it had been me, there could definitely have been some scarring going on. <laughs> yeah. Like, please don't take for granted the sensitivity of children to socks eating through the floor. We'll get to that. <laughs> All sorts of strange things where I think you're right in describing it as viewing art mm -hmm. rather than major entertainment. If you want a happy-go-lucky Alice, you can watch Disney. If mm -hmm. you want to watch a really strange piece of creative art, this is interesting. I would say this is sort of like watching a surrealist painting come to life. This is, this is very surreal. Everything is like a really weird dream. It makes le it almost makes less sense than the book Alice in different ways. It's just something you kind of have to see to fully understand. And and really, I think it could be what a child imagines, but the kind of imaginings that scare a child. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I could totally see a little kid getting really creeped out by this. I'm sure there are kids out there that wouldn't be phased at all by it, but for a lot us, of, a us, lot of we would have been. Yeah, I, you have things in shadowy places. One of the things I noticed that, that really stood out to me in this version is just how much physical, uh, I guess you could say abuse, Alice takes in this version more than in any other one I've ever seen. She falls and she bumps her head quite a few times. She just accidentally hurting herself or the rabbit trying to hurt her to, you know, either get her to stop grabbing at him or get her out of his house. There were just all of these instances of physical discomfort, mm -hmm. which could also be disturbing to a child, but maybe was more disturbing to me than it would be to a child. Probably because I didn't really think about it until you started mentioning it. And then I was like, oh yeah, that does happen quite a bit, doesn't it? And they kind of build you up to that because at the beginning she's messing with her sister's book and her hand gets slapped and it's like that rebuke is getting incorporated throughout her dream in different forms of physical discomfort and also there were very dangerous objects in food and I wonder if the message there was I don't know being careful what you Eats. I'm not sure that this there was messages in this. But film. that didn't that didn't make sense though. Why attack in the marmalade? Maybe I'm know. getting ahead of us here. This is going to be a long review. Yeah, it, pro it probably is. I have four pages of notes, so. Okay, maybe we just need to take this scene by scene now. Now that we've said that it's not good for children. <laughs> For starters, Alice is basically the only actress. There's Her sister's there very briefly at the beginning, but Alice basically holds this on her own the entire film. And she was a really good actress, I she, thought. She did a very good job. She was a beautiful little girl. A little, a little, a little girl. girl. She's probably like somewhere between six and eight. I kind of hope that she wasn't in on everything that happened in the movie that maybe some of these effects were added later and she 
I don't know if she would have been scared. For most of the movie, her face is very serious. She does smile a little bit and laughs maybe a couple of times. One of the things that will stand out to you is that she continually narrates the story and generally as she's narrating something they have a close-up of her mouth saying the words and for this we were watching the dubbed over English version and her lips are very dry and I, she can the first time I watched it I was thinking somebody get that girl some chapstick her lips are dry and she's constantly speaking with spit strings in her mouth why they thought this was a good idea I don't know maybe they thought that was just another layer to the story it certainly makes it memorable. I found the original language to be interesting, and it would have been interesting to go through the movie and note all the differences. I noticed instead of ow, she said yow in the original language, but I didn't, I wasn't curious enough to rewatch the whole film in Czech. When it starts, Alice is on the bank with her sister and she's throwing rocks into the creek and then getting rebuked for messing with the book. Instead of her following the rabbit then, it transitions to her alone in her room, throwing rocks into her cup of tea. And one of the things I noticed upon the second watching was many of the things from Wonderland, if it can be even called Wonderland, I don't know. Nightmareland. <laughs> many of the things from this dreamland are in her room. They're informing her imagination. Yes. One of the weirdest things about this version is the white rabbit. And, and maybe one of the most disturbing things because Sarah was really disturbed by it. I was very disturbed and he turned out to be... <laughs> kind of evil. <laughs> kind of. I, we can get into that. The rabbit is a taxidermied bunny rabbit. He's like a museum specimen that for some reason Alice just has in her room. But what makes him even weirder is that they've put like giant googly glass eyes on him instead of cute little bunny eyes. And his teeth are exposed. Yeah, his teeth so, are always out and he frequently chatters them. He looks like a demon bunny who's ready to jump at your throat and kill you, basically. He's in this glass case with sand and a little what looks like a violet of some description and who knows what else. He comes to life, pulls his paws up, his front paws. Which, which have been nailed down. And he bites off the nails and spits them down into the case. So already he's a disturbing character. And he pulls out a little drawer that has his clothes in it. These sort of stained gloves and a lacy collar, crimson jacket, crimson hat. His clothes look similar to like the royal clothes that he's worn in other versions, except dirtier and older. One of the things you'll notice about this film is the dilapidation in it. They, I think that they found really old locations, maybe an old, I don't know, maybe not an old castle, but some, a really old building with stone stairs and, and just worn, worn, worn wooden treads on top. Yeah. It looks like kind of a poor old area and even the mm -hmm. miniature house emulates that. Yeah, I, I think everything 
was supposed to look dirty. It kind of bespeaks I'm, a certain level of poverty. Yeah. I think it, it felt very purposeful. It was it didn't feel like that this was just where they happened to film. It felt like that it needed to be this way for the director's vision or whatever. The rabbit continually wants and or carries a pair of scissors with him. Instead of the fan and gloves, this is his thing. <laughs> he takes those scissors right and breaks the glass. Then he leaves the room. Why Alice wants to follow him, some sort of sick curiosity, I guess. And through this whole thing, he's also leaking sawdust through a tear in his chest. That's where he stores his watch, and also where he kept some scissors, too. It's No, not scissors. There was something else. Was it scissors? He kept more than one thing in there, and he was constantly either wiping or licking the sawdust off of his watch. As he's leaving the room, he the room, just the edge of it, he walks out into a tilled field really lumpy tilled field. There's no door. It's just all of a sudden the her floor ends and there's this lumpy field of barren dirt mm -hmm. and he's running up the hill and they did this thing of having the camera attached to them or something. Well not to the rabbit. The rabbit is not real children. It's all stop motion which is another for some a creepy touch. So you have partly this sight of them running up the hill, her following him, not together. He was constantly trying to get away from her. You would think it would have been the other way around, but no. But you have partly the sight of them running up the hill, but also from their eyes what it would have looked like running up this hill. We could just go on and on forever. There was just so much to take in in this movie. So much to talk about that I doubt that we'll cover everything. And I have a feeling this is probably going to be my longest review yet. So at the top of this hill is a desk, which is also a recurring theme. And it's basically the shape of a nightstand. Mm -hmm. It looks like something that would either be in a living room next to a couch or next to a bed because it's a small flat table with a single drawer and the rabbit pulls open the drawer and disappears into it well, the rabbit claps his hand once oh, right. and the drawer opens and he jumps in and disappears which Alice later follows and tries to emulate this but the drawer won't open for her claps she's never able to get anything to happen with her claps in this film and she's constantly trying these drawers, not able to get them open. Then she pulls out the knob and inserts an object or her pinky in the hole and pulls it open. She opens this drawer and it's filled with what look like architect tools. Yeah, like the triangle rulers. I, I should know these terms because I've taken many art classes, but there's and compasses, protractors, the, those types of things. And she accidentally cuts her finger. She on pokes her finger on the compass and there's a little bit of blood and that surprisingly that's like just about the only blood in this film. I was kind of expecting there to be more she just but there wasn't. She just licks it off, pulls out the offending object and 
carries on, you know, she's she's from Czechoslovakia. She's tough. <laughs> <laughs> so she climbs into the drawer, which I actually really liked this effect. I thought it was interesting. They was did like, it. How did you do that? Yeah. I'm not sure exactly how they managed it, but it looked really well done. Yes. And when she's crawling in, basically it's like the drawer has grown bigger around her because she's crawling down a tunnel full of these drafting supplies. She hasn't even gotten to the rabbit hole effect here, which is also very different in this mm -hmm. movie. She ends up finding the rabbit who is eating a big pot of sawdust. Pot of <laughs> Probably trying to replenish all the sawdust that has trickled out of his little tear in his stomach. <laughs> but then when he's done, a whole bunch more comes out, so it was almost a wasted mm -hmm. effort. I hope it was tasty. But he's eating this off of another one of these little desks, and he opens the drawer, pulls out a little safety pin, and pins his hole shut, and leaves once he spots Alice. And then Alice tries to eat some of the sawdust. Which is as nasty as you would suppose. After Alice spits out the sawdust, she then steps on a rake, which causes her to fall backwards into a bucket. The bucket splits open and she falls through a hole, but instead of falling down, she's apparently in an elevator now. And as she's going down the shaft, you see all these different things that partly look like things from her room and partly look like things from a museum, because there's toys, there's taxidermy displays, there's things in jars. Foodstuffs. Another thing to note is, I'm assuming this was in check because it looks obviously but it looks like they had you know floor number three two mm -hmm. and she keeps going until she's even below the first floor it looked like to me mm -hmm. at some point she hauls out what looks like a pot of marmalade with plastic wrap on top of it it was kind of different it was like stiff plastic wrap that she poked her finger through to get some marmalade out and came up with a tack as well as marmalade, she got rid of the tack. Did she taste the marmalade? I don't think so. It was messed up. But she keeps, she just keeps going and she couldn't really, it really did emulate the rabbit hole in that she didn't mean to be falling down this hole. Mm -hmm. It's their take on that scene. You just have to roll with it. When the elevator is nearing the bottom, then the floor gives way and she falls through and ends up in a pile of leaves. And it, then the hole seals itself. They didn't spare themselves on the leaves. This was a big pile of leaves. Mm -hmm. She gets off of the pile and the rabbit appears. She's still trying to follow this rabbit. I, I don't know. She keeps saying, please, sir, what do you want from this rabbit? I don't know. The leaves start to disappear. There is a yet another one of those little desks. The drawer opens and it sucks up presumably the rabbit and all of the leaves. So it was an interesting effect. Once the leaves have all been sucked into the drawer, Alice notices a door with another tiny door. This is basically their answer to the hall of doors with the little table. Mm -hmm. So inside this drawer that the leaves have been sucked into is a tiny key which opens the tiny door. And through the tiny door, Alice sees canvases with garden scenes painted on them. 
but the rabbit is walking through all these paintings and Alice of course wants to follow this rabbit for some reason but she can't get through the door and then inside this drawer she then finds a bottle of ink this was weird <laughs> and she tastes the ink and apparently it tastes good so she drinks the whole bottle I feel like maybe they were touching on children's desire to taste strange things it what's this be. like sawdust ink not a good idea do not try this at home but on the movie it happened and mm -hmm. she was but instead of shrinking she turns into a little doll and the doll is stop motion the doll was also in her room at the beginning yes and you might think with an old-fashioned doll of this type that it would be really creepy but it really wasn't it was just a normal looking little doll and they animated her very well so she looked very lifelike when she's walking around as this little doll. The doll basically looked like her with her hair and the same type of mm -hmm. the same dress and I would have thought too when he was first telling me about it that it might be creepy it it wasn't there was a take on it a little bit later in the movie that was kind of creepy but not this miniature version. If you have a major doll phobia then <laughs> it might not yeah. be good for you. As you would expect, she can't get back through the door because it's now locked again. And she, as the doll, finds a little cookie, or as you find out later, a tart. And she eats this cookie tart and grows huge and bumps her head on the ceiling. Another little bump. And she starts crying, and I really liked the crying effect because she has her hands over her eyes and uh, she's obviously hiding some sort of little device that is pouring down water from behind her hands. And it worked really well. I thought it was really simple and a really good effect. And she was very wet. Yes. Eventually she's swimming around in her own tears. She doesn't shrink again at this point, but she ends up in the pool of tears anyway. In this ocean of tears, she meets the mouse again, like in most versions, except this mouse seems to mistake her head for an island because he comes aboard her head and decides to build a fire, including pounding little sticks into her head. And she doesn't seem phased by this. It's only when he lights this fire to cook some food that she says that that's taking it a bit too far and she dumps him into the water. He was dressed like a little gentleman pirate or something. He actually, they really went out on his costume. The water rat is never fancy. Mm -hmm. And he was probably the cutest little taxidermy in this version because all the other taxidermies were kind of weird and creepy. He was just trying to cook a meal on her head, <laughs> but some people just won't understand. As she's swimming around in the pool of tears, the rabbit appears in a rowboat. He ends up going through this painting of an ocean. Eventually she eats another cookie and shrinks again. And then she's surrounded by all of the different displays that were in the elevator. There are birds flapping near her, there's little bits of furniture, there's little skulls and skeletons from the museum displays. The water she... looked really dingy. <laughs> that was something that Sarah really was noticing more than I was noticing. Since she's small enough, she now can use the key to get through the door, and when she gets through all the water, flows out after her 
and she finds the rabbit. He sees the doll version of her, mistakes her for Marianne, and orders her to go back and get him the scissors. So she goes back through the hole of the painting that he came through and finds herself in another room that looks very similar to the one she just left, except this one has a huge castle house made out of little wooden blocks. She climbs the ladder to get up into the house, and the inside of this block house is all rabbit hutches. To which, begin with. Yeah, which I thought was an interesting little choice. At the end of the row of rabbit hutches, she finds another room, and in this room is all the rabbit's little furniture, including another table full of scissors and some more ink. She drinks the ink and is now huge inside this rabbit's house. So the rabbit has followed her. I don't know why he couldn't go get his scissors himself if he was going to just follow her anyway. He comes along and she hears him coming and for some reason now she doesn't want to be discovered so she barricades the door. He tries to charge the door. His little paw ends up caught in the door and she's pushing the door against it and he's crying out. His paw gets hurt so he, he gets sew a little ripped that he has to sew it up. He sews himself up. That's another thing. Right outside of this room is a very dingy looking um, medicine cabinet with a red cross on it. He sews himself up and he decides that if he can't get in that way he'll come through the window. He tries a bunch of different things that are similar to what's in the book except with weird darker twists to them. Like he has a little saw that maybe he's gonna cut off her arm, he I don't was, know. He was trying to cut off her arm and she just goes out and pulls her arm away which that was he ends up falling backwards into his glass case of vegetables. Into the cold frame, and then uh -huh. she also threw the little toy blocks off of the house down at him and into the cold frame or frames. Eventually this does not work. He can't get her out. She's not budging, so the rabbit pulls a little whistle, I think out of his chest, and <laughs> blows it, and through the door comes a horse-drawn carriage of little taxidermy animals, except it's not horses, it's chickens with skulls instead of heads, and they make horse noises when they're running, and, and whinny. Yes, and they're wearing little crimson elf hats. Yes, it, it, because they look why like not? Santa hats or jester hats or something, I don't know. Tim Burton, eat your heart out. This is shortly followed by other taxidermy animals with bare skeleton heads, googly eyes, and little jingle bell hats. It's so, so strange. It's one of those things where you just have to see it to fully grasp the weirdness. They do want Bill to go through the chimney. Bill is a little lizard, but he has a skeleton tail and a skeleton head. And he gets kicked out of the chimney. Alice has rocks thrown at her by the rabbit that turn into those little tarts. Then she eats part of one, shrinks down, leaves the house, and as she's coming out, the rabbit is tenderly funneling sawdust down into Bill. Bill, Bill had exploded, <laughs> sort of, and the rabbit had to fix him. Yes, <laughs> how nice of him. Well, now they're mad at her for that, so they are after her, and 
other strange creatures come to life, including a crib with wings <laughs> and bird legs. Yeah, I don't know. There was so many weird things at this point. Just attacking it's, her for, I don't know what reason. For, uh, for uh, probably for hurting Bill. Probably. There's too much to describe with this film. Really, there is. She is eventually captured. Well... Okay, okay, she, she falls... She, all of these taxidermied animals are swarming around her, and she falls into... I don't even know what it is. It's like milk or glue or Probably something. Probably glue because she comes out as a regular sized version of herself, but she's coated. It's like she's in a, a cocoon of herself. A paper mache version of herself with eye holes. So she's looking around and she gets dragged off by the chicken horses. The rabbit locks her in this room. A pantry, I believe. Yes, and she manages to get herself out of this like she, she, she hatches she's like a pinata <laughs> she gets herself out of this little pinata version of herself and starts taking in all of these strange things around her in this pantry yes this pantry is full of so many weird things there's a carton of eggs that is hatching little tiny skulls that scurry away there's a can that she opens and there's cockroaches in it there's bread uh, that sprouts snails and a, a living roast that sort of crawls away like an inchworm a living piece of raw meat that's scurrying away yeah eventually she finds the key in a tin of sardines and escapes after tasting this liquid why then comes a oh no you didn't moment <laughs> for me the Okay, maybe most people would not be disturbed by this. I don't know. I haven't taken a, a vote. It didn't bother me as much as it bothered you. She's going down the hall and she passes by the mouse in his little velvet hat and suit, dead in a mouse trap. Once again, not a version for children. I feel, I feel bad. He's not supposed to be a bad character or a dead character. They just had to include a little reality and throw in a velvet suit while they were at it. What on earth? <laughs> okay, rant over. <laughs> it was so wrong. I mean, I know what happens in real life, but come on. After passing by the little mouse she <laughs> finds she finds another room and this room has a bunch of shoes outside of it so she takes off her own shoes to enter she's a very polite little girl and inside is another table and the floor is full of holes like wormholes except they are socks they are living socks acting like worms burrowing through the floor of this room it's, and she doesn't leave immediately it's such a strange addition to this movie but i kind of loved how creative it was because who thinks of turning socks into worms that burrow through wooden floors maybe they were maybe they stuck their hand in a sock and went like this like oh yeah this is like a worm way <laughs> i don't know but it, i don't know it was so weird 
but it was probably one of my favorite parts because of the level of creativity that went into it. And if you can guess what this scene emulates, you deserve a Klondike bar. This is the caterpillar scene. Yes. She makes her way to the desk. She gets into the drawer and this sock, this is a sock that needs to be mended. So he has he enough has holes. holes to do this. He gives himself dentures and glass eyes and he gets up onto this little wooden mushroom which also is in her room at the beginning and he basically gives most of the caterpillars correct lines from the book like this was one of the the closest scenes to the book i think because of how many lines taken directly from the book i one mean of yeah the closest scenes. yes, yes. <laughs> but she actually takes pieces of wood off of either side of the mushroom and does eat off of them later. First she leaves when the caterpillar is going to take a nap and he sews his eyes shut. He's sewing <laughs> his eyes not? shut like it's being darned so it's like he's going to sleep his yes. eye is closing. Her socks try to escape before she leaves to join the other ones, but she manages to get them back. When she gets out of the room, there are these little evergreen trees, and she starts eating the mushroom pieces. Also, please, children, do not try this at home. And instead of her shrinking and growing, the objects around her shrink and grow. Which was not true to the book, but I actually thought it was really creative, and I really liked that. I don't, I don't know. There's so many strange choices in this that I could be really picky and say you didn't follow the book at all, but I actually ended up really liking them. <laughs> this was one of those things. She finds another room with a tiny little house in it. Very out of tiny. Which, yes, it very, looks, very tiny. It looks like a mantelpiece figurine, basically. And it's sort of bouncing around, screaming like a baby. So she eats a little bit of the mushroom, making the house grow huge. So many dishes get thrown out of this house. They really got into this part. Mm -hmm. And then... <laughs> the, the, the fish footman comes in, but he's, I think he's a pike. A taxidermy <laughs> pike with a fluffy wig. Didn't I say, of course he looks like that. Yes. With what looks like maybe a velvet coat. His coat was actually quite grand, but he himself was a disturbing little fangs. Disturbing character. And he knocks on the house, and instead of having a letter for the Duchess, he has a letter for Alice. And the frog exits the house, and they have their little spiel from the book, and then their wigs fall off and begin fighting each other in a pot. <laughs> Alice puts their wigs back on, and... The, the pike leaves after that, and the frog begins to bounce around chasing flies and eating them with a tongue that appears to be a cow tongue. He was eating probably more than one type of insect, but he, and he had a black head, not like a usual green frog head that you would expect. He was already... He was already an unattractive character, but then his tongue looks like not a cooked cow tongue, but a raw cow tongue. I don't even know what they used, but I wouldn't be surprised if they used a raw cow tongue. It, it did not look natural. And she seems to be enjoying him. 
but then she gets back to the business at hand of trying to figure out what's going on in this house. She looks in and instead of the Duchess and the cook, the rabbit is trying to bottle feed the baby and I said I would cry too. <laughs> you never actually even see the baby, it's just a bundle of swaddling clothes that the rabbit is trying to poke a bottle into. Eventually he gets fed up with this situation and instead of just throwing dishes at Alice, he throws the baby at Alice, which pretty much turns into a pig instantly. Yeah, basically. And, and the pig was cute. Mm -hmm. The pig was probably the cutest thing in the movie. It was alive. It wasn't taxidermy. It was very feisty too. I'd say Alice was the cutest thing in the movie. Maybe the pig <laughs> is the second cutest thing in the movie. Okay, I'll give you that. <laughs> <laughs> The pig wriggles out of her arms and escapes. She pulls up the house. Apparently the rabbit has disappeared from the house, I don't know. But the letter is under the house. She opens it up and it's blank for some reason. But she was already told that it was an invitation to play croquet with the queen. Yes, so she knows what it is. Then she hears the baby crying again. She follows it and finds the pig. Just squealing. Yes. Going down the stairs. So then she finds another room, and here we have the Mad Tea Party, which is another thing that they put a really weird twist on. The Mad Hatter is a marionette, and the March Hare is a wind-up stuffed animal. And they're both very old-looking toys. They both look like they could be from the 1800s. Uh -huh. His paint is distressed, the rabbit is partially falling apart, and he has this sort of mobile carriage thing that he can wheel himself around the table with. He's sort of a honey yellow Winnie the Pooh type color with an eye that constantly wants to come loose and he constantly has to be rewound. This scene was so strange in that they did take lines from the book but there were lines that they repeated over and over different actions that they kept repeating the the rabbit buttering pocket watches and the mad hatter wanting to move down for a clean cup it, it at first it seems really close to the book with all the lines that they're saying but then the mad hatter pulls the rabbit out of his hat and he his watch is buttered by the march hare which he stuffs back inside of his chest the rabbit runs out of the room and that's when everything starts repeating. Everything just keeps happening over and over again, faster and faster and faster. And at one point, the Dormouse pops out of a teapot. The Dormouse is a mink stole. And oh, it, yeah. starts, it starts slithering around the table and cleaning all of the cups with its Clean. tongue. Yes, licking up all of their dirty dishes. And then it just crawls back into the teapot. And it was actually kind of cute. Everything eventually gets too crazy for Alice. The Mad Hatter's covered in watches. She leaves. <laughs> but as she leaves the room, the Mad Hatter pulls the rabbit out of his hat again. And the, the rabbit <laughs> leaves right away. But his watch is still buttered from the first time. Because when he leaves the room, he pulls it out and it's still got clumps of butter on it. He wipes it on Alice's sock, which is a really random, rude, yet kind of amusing moment. 
I can only imagine what this rabbit was thinking because apparently the Mad Hatter has the power to pull him from anywhere. So the rabbit was probably getting close to the, the castle and suddenly he's <laughs> back in this room again. Little do we realize that's why the rabbit is always late. It makes sense. I love this fan theory. <laughs> <laughs> and I'm guessing maybe he didn't, that Alice was big enough that the rabbit didn't realize he was wiping butter on her because they're supposed to be enemies at this point. <laughs> Yeah, I don't know. He walks by her like he doesn't even see her, so. Alice follows the rabbit up the <laughs> stairs and finds herself in an attic full of laundry. She goes through the laundry and it's like the laundry is multiplying. She's just going through so many, I don't know, undergarments, slips, nightgowns, all these white things. Clothes lines across an attic, which probably mirror what some people would be doing in their houses. And she gets to the end of it and finds the garden paintings again, except now there are playing cards dueling. And it's not the cards themselves, the characters have come out of the cards, like they've been cut out and yes. they're now animated, but the cards are still behind them and they still follow them like they know that they're part of these characters. The way you said that made it sound much creepier than it actually looked. <laughs> I don't know how else to describe it because <laughs> these disembodied cards were following their figures around. Well, they were. I, that's just what was happening. It wasn't creepy. It was just interesting. I thought, but then no, it wasn't creepy. The queen comes through, and she's shouting off with their heads, and we find out why the rabbit loves his scissors so much. He's the queen's executioner. I didn't and think of it like that, but yes, maybe that's why he can't... Well, I think scissors are multi-purpose tools. And in this movie, they're used for beheading. He snips the playing card's heads off. But they're, of course, paper, so it's not like it's gory or anything. They're just and pieces they're, of paper that have been snipped. And with as dark as this movie is, they're not actually dead. You would yeah. think you would think with the darkness of this movie that they would be dead now, but they're not. They they walk out of the room and their heads follow with the playing cards cut out following behind them. It's just, they just need so a little, random. They just need a little scotch tape. <laughs> yeah, basically because nothing ever dies except for the water rat. <laughs> oh my goodness. <laughs> Alice follows these cards and she's going through these paintings, but she's sort of changing sizes at random. She's big one minute, small the next. And she eventually finds the Mad Hatter and March Hare playing cards now. And the queen comes through, orders them beheaded, and the rabbit snips off their heads. They're still alive, of course. And they basically just exchange heads because they, they each pick up the other's head. They just feel around for their heads and then they get on with it. Yes, it was like a minor inconvenience. Where did I put that? Oh, here it is. Good. <laughs> After the beheading, <laughs> the queen wonders if Alice plays croquet, and the queen and the rabbit seem completely nonplussed that their execution targets aren't dead. They just move on with their lives. And she asks if Alice plays croquet, and Alice does, so they go to another room where she is ordered to pick a card with a flamingo on it. And the flamingo is cut out like the other cards, except it's much bigger. And you would expect hedgehogs, but they are pincushions. 
which was another thing that I noticed from Alice's room. I saw the pin cushions at the beginning. Okay. And they're playing with these pin cushions and the queen is ordering more cards beheaded when they're not behaving as she wanted them to. She went first and then I think a bunch of card figures fell down and then the rabbit was doing a bunch of executions. Mm -hmm. When it comes to Alice's turn, her flamingo is unruly. Well, her flamingo turns into a live chicken <laughs> for I some reason. That. And then all of the flamingos turn into chickens. And then the pin cushions turn into hedgehogs. Which was adorable. And then all of these animals just sort of fly off and wander off and everyone leaves. And Alice is there alone all of a sudden, except the rabbit comes in and hands her this book and tells her that she's supposed to memorize it. And this makes way to the trial scene where you find out that all of these cookie tart things that she's been eating are the queen's tarts and she's now on trial for eating them. She's trying to defend herself but she's ordered to read her notebook which the notebook is apparently a script for the trial and they're quite upset that she's going off script. She has a scripted apology which she reads but then she's not sorry, not really sorry and, that, and she's saying that she didn't eat anything, well hardly anything. <laughs> And, and off to the side are all the little taxidermied, mm -hmm. taxidermied animals making lots of noise. Yes, cheering, hollering. Okay. Alice is not getting anywhere with her argument, so she comes forward and begins to scarf down all of the tarts. That was really which... quite naughty on her part. She's normally a very well-behaved child. Of course, this infuriates the queen, who begins screaming, Off with her head! Off with her head! And then Alice's head begins to change into all of the heads from the different characters that she's met. And she's like, which one? And she wakes up in her room. That's kind of the end. You realize that it was all a dream. But then she's looking off into where the rabbit's cage was. And it's still empty. There's it's still, still broken. Still the broken glass. She goes over to it. She sees the nails that mm -hmm. he bit off. She pulls open the little drawer where his clothes were and finds a pair of scissors. Now, this is not the first time that you will see a throwback, oh, not really a throwback, a hint in an Alice story that, oh, maybe it wasn't just a dream. In this one, that's not a good thing. But they did that. And then Alice is not really upset by this discovery she pulls out the scissors and she says he's late as usual i think i'll cut his head off mm -hmm. and that is the end and it transitions mm -hmm. into happy piano music yes gentle happy <laughs> piano music like la la gonna kill the rabbit <laughs> so my camera died just as we were about to finish so we're gonna fi finish this on my phone um, I guess let's just say what our final thoughts were. What did you think overall of this film? Do you recommend it? This doesn't seem logical, but I actually kind of recommend this for the right audience. I, I think I feel the same way. I think I said after I watched it with her, I like this more as a piece of art than a piece of entertainment. 
because it's really weird. It's very strange, but it's it's like walking through a modern art museum exhibit. It's incredibly creative and probably if you're wanting to, I don't know if this is a good introduction to Czech culture, but it it would be a taste of it, maybe? I, I, that's not fair to the Czech people to say this is the way everything is over there because we have all sorts of film projects over here representing different styles. Mm -hmm. it's, it's a good film if you don't think you're going to be creeped out by surrealism. If you're a fan of surrealism, this is definitely a film you'll want to watch. If you're a fan of the regular Alice in Wonderland and you want a cute Alice in Wonderland story, this one's probably not for you. No. But, but I... just as just as something different, something from a different culture, something completely outside of anything you've ever seen before, then watch this one. Because even though it's not one that I'm definitely going to go back and rewatch all the time, I like that I watched it and I probably would watch it again if I was watching it with someone because I liked watching it more the second time when I watched it with Sarah, just, just getting her reactions from it. Don't watch it alone at three o'clock in the morning. <laughs> yeah. Watch it when you can take in the details and in a well-lit room mm -hmm. with a friend <laughs> and uh, have some popcorn. But yeah, it, it's, it's just, it's so strange, slightly disturbing, but so interesting. Yeah, that's a good way of summing it up. Thanks for listening to this episode of Every Version Ever. There are still many adaptations out there that Sarah and I haven't seen yet, so if you have any requests, let us know and we'll definitely try to find a copy to review. We always love it when our listeners introduce us to some hidden gems out there, so feel free to point us in the direction of some great ones. Or terrible ones. Sometimes it's fun to watch those as well. And speaking of terrible ones, that's where we're headed next. One of my favorite reviews, for completely different reasons, happened when Sarah and I talked about the feature-length 1931 version, the very first adaptation with sound. It was... not good. <laughs> However, it's one of those movies that was so bad that it was actually really fun to talk about. So while I didn't enjoy watching the movie, I loved reviewing it, and I'm excited to share that one with you next time. So thanks for listening, and we'll see you next time for another episode of Every Version Ever.